0: Prudence had escaped from the women's farm in Milledgeville and gone on a crime spree. She murdered six men and a woman, robbed nine McDonald's and seven Home Depots in different states. She wore a neckerchief gathered under her eyes and carried a silver colt that was more like an heirloom than a good, reliable gun. The colt had exploded in her face during one of the robberies at McDonald's, but she still managed to collect the cash, and her own willfulness wouldn't allow her to get a new gun. She wasn't willful about one thing. She never used a partner, male or female. Women were more reliable than men. They wouldn't steal your money and expect you to perform sexual feats with their friends. But women thieves could be just as annoying. She'd had her fill of them at the farm, where they read her diary and borrowed her books. Prue didn't appreciate big fat fingers touching her personal library. Readers were like pilgrims who had to go on their own pilgrimage. Prue was a pilgrim, or at least that's what she imagined. She read from morning to night whenever she wasn't out foraging for hard cash. One of her foster mothers had been a relentless reader, and Prudence had gone right through her shelves, book after book. Biographies, Bibles, novels, a book on building terrariums, a history of photography, a history of dance, and Leonard Moulton's Movie Guide, which she liked best because she could read the little encapsulated portraits of films without having to bother about the films themselves. But she lost her library when she broke out of jail, and it bothered her to live without books. The cops had caught on to her tactics, and her picture was nailed to the wall inside post offices, supermarkets, and convenience stores. She might have been trapped in a Home Depot outside Savannah, If she hadn't noticed a state trooper fidgeting with his hat while he stared at her face on the wall. Prue had to disappear, or she wouldn't survive her next excursion to Home Depot or McDonald's. And no book could help her now. Travel guides couldn't map out some no man's land where she might be safe. But Emma May, her cellmate at Milledgeville, had told her about the Bronx, a place where the cops never patrolled McDonald's. Besides, She hadn't murdered a single soul within 500 miles of Manhattan or the Bronx. Prue wasn't a mad dog, as the bulletins labeled her. She had to shoot the night manager at McDonald's because that would paralyze the customers and discourage anyone from coming after her. She got on a greyhound wearing eyeglasses and a man's lumber jacket after cutting her hair in the mirror of a public toilet. She'd been on the run for two months. Crime wasn't much of a business. Murdering people, and she still had to live from hand to mouth. She couldn't remember how she landed in the Bronx. She walked up the stairs of a subway station, saw a synagogue that had been transformed into a Pentecostal church, then a building with a mural on its back wall picturing a paradise with crocodiles, palm trees, and a little girl. The Bronx was filled with Latinas and burly black men, Emma May had told her. The only whites who lived there were trash outcasts and country people who had to relocate. Prue could hide among them, practically invisible in a casbah that no one cared about. Emma May had given her an address, a street called Marcy Place, where the cousin of a cousin lived, a preacher who played the tambourine and bilked white trash like Prudence and Emma. He was right at the door when Prue arrived, an anemic-looking man dressed in black with a skunk's white streak in his hair. Though he didn't have a skunk's eyes. His were clear as pale green crystals and burned right into Prue. She was hypnotized without his having to say a single syllable. He laughed at her disguise, and that laughter seemed to break the spell. Prudence Miller, he said, are you a man or a girl? His voice was reedy, much less potent than his eyes. Emma May must have told him about her pilgrimage to the Bronx. But Prue still didn't understand what it meant to be the cousin of a cousin. His name was Omar Kaplan. It must have been the alias of an alias, since Omar couldn't be a Christian name.